Hey guys, it's Nathan. This is episode 40 of the Nathan Seward Show. The Nathan Seward Show. Personal conversations with powerful men. Well, welcome to the show, guys, where every week I'm having deep, unedited and vulnerable conversations with men who have overcome adversity to thrive in their lives and their business. Hope you're having an amazing week. Great to have you back here as always. I've just uh, got back from four days in Seattle, uh, hanging out with a couple of other coaches at uh, a really beautiful spot called Vashon Island, which is just off of Seattle. We rented a really cool house there, had a beautiful view over the ocean and out towards Mount Rainier. And uh, yeah, we just took some time to work on our businesses and coach each other. And it was a really incredible time. So many exciting things coming up for you guys for 2018, which I'm excited to share for you. And uh, this week, I've been thinking about my own coaching. And there's really three parts to the work that I do with people. One is the healing work, which is pretty intrinsic to any personal development, I believe. We've all got Uh, things that have happened in our lives or experiences that have left an impression or a mark on us that may have a negative impact on us. So I really start with any healing work and it's ongoing. Things come up as we do work together. And so the the healing work of some of those things that have gone on in the past is a core part of my, uh, my work. Second is working on mindset. What mindsets do you need to change in order to get the results that you want? Do you want to become wealthy? Do you want to find um, a better partner? Uh, Do you want to just be happier? And what mindset changes are required for that? And the thirdly is action. What actions do you need to take to stretch yourself every week to ensure that you're moving closer and closer towards your your vision? Now, that first one, uh, healing, is something that my guest this week is arguably one of the best in the world at. Now, Gary reached out to me. Uh, a few weeks ago and said, Nathan, I love your mission. I love your message. And I want to be on your podcast because I want to share my message with the world. And I didn't quite know what to expect, but Gary rang me uh, the day before the podcast and shared a little bit of a story and it was incredibly moving. I'm not going to spoil anything about Gary's story, but you guys are in for an incredible treat. Here's a guy that had multiple sclerosis, was fully paralyzed and managed to heal his entire body to the point where he was an award-winning figure skater. Now, if that doesn't impress you, I'm out of, I'm out of ideas. I don't know what would impress you. But uh, Gary is going to tell you his story, and he actually takes me through three of his healing exercises that he uses in his work with individuals. So you'll be able to actually follow through those exercises as I go through them in the podcast. I've never done something like this before. It's a little bit vulnerable for me. Have you hear me going through the work? but I hope it serves you in some way. So without further ado, you're going to love this one. Enjoy this very personal conversation with the powerful Gary Sinclair. Well, I was born in 1945. So the reality is I'm about to become 73. Awesome. I was born with two lungs and those lungs were basically 50% there. So if you look at it, it's like saying Gary had one lung. And a lot of people live with one lung, but at the time there were no machines to help. There was no incubators. There wasn't even an iron lung yet because that came when polio came along. But the reality was my folks took me home to love me to life. I didn't understand that until much later, but literally the doctors had told them, Gary's not going to survive. He's not going to live. And yet (laughs) here I am. (laughs) So. The early, my early life got really complicated because 
I was a severe asthmatic. I was an asthmatic to the degree that I could tell you the volume of medications that I took generally about every four hours during the course of a day to breathe. Uh, I also had to go to an MD regularly because I needed allergy shots in order to be able to not react from an allergic standpoint with an asthmatic reaction to the foods that I would eat. So according to my blood work back then, I was allergic to uh, you know, trees, plants, grants, flowers. I mean, you name it. <laughs> if it was in the food chain, Gary was allergic to it. Wow. You know, a cow eats grass, it produces milk. Gary swallows a glass of, or at least out of a glass of milk. And all of a sudden there's cottage cheese everywhere because the milk won't stay down. So it really <laughs> made for an interesting life of, of complications. It meant that I was well taken care of because based on where I was at, someone actually had to take care of me. I mean, it wasn't a matter of me just, you know, being that person that I was, but I required the the careful attention of someone because if I got bit by mosquitoes, you have your skin swell up. You get a little lump because you got bit by mosquitoes. Uh, Gary would end up hyperventilating and you'd be aware of the fact he was having an asthma attack. So really, really interesting early life. But let, and let at the time, on. how were you, um, uh, where did you grow up, first of all, and how how did you react to being that different, for want of a better word? Well, that, it's a good way to describe it because, uh, again, you know, even, even in school, I wasn't allowed to take PE, although in certain classes, at certain schools, I'd had to dress up in the regular PE uniform and everything, but then I had to sit on the sideboard because I wasn't allowed to get up and exercise because it would cause me to not be able to breathe. So I don't know. I, I knew that I was different, uh, but I knew that I didn't have a choice. You know, you're, you're, going to, you're going to be who you are. So many people, I mean, so many people look at where they're at and there's things about them that cause them to be different. You know, so many people, as, as they grow up, they look at their differences and it becomes enough of a struggle for them that they think about doing things to their life that they should never even consider doing. Because the key is they miss the value to who they are, the identity of who they are. They miss recognizing that, you know, life has a reason and a purpose. And no matter what happens, in the end, it serves us. And that was a big key for me. I didn't understand it then because I'm fully protected. I mean, I had a brother who was more of a caretaker to me uh, than my parents were because my parents were that busy doing everything they were doing. But the reality was, you know, I, I still lived. I just knew that I didn't know anybody else who went through what I went through because I mean, even at PE, I'm the only one that sat on the side of the gym, you know, and they friended me. But yet I knew when they looked at me, they had that look that like, what's wrong with you? What makes you so different? You know, type of thing. So it was there. I knew it was there. So you felt but different, but you, you knew you didn't have a choice. And you also had great people in your life looking after you. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I did everything I could that was possible. It's like, it's I would take high school. You know, if there was a club or something that formed that you could be a member of and it didn't require physical activity, boy, was I in it. <laughs> I mean, it was my it was my way of saying, here I am, recognize me. You know, I've got value. And, and yet I looked at the jocks and, you know, all the girlfriends they had and everything they were going through. And I knew that it wasn't who I was. That wasn't who I would potentially, you know, ever be. And yet there's a, a driving force there. Uh, they created who you're talking to now. <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah. Life moved on. Yeah. yeah. 
And of course, it wasn't long out of high school. I went to college. Uh, I literally, I graduated from college on a Friday. I had met a wonderful woman that we deemed Saint Anne because she loved me. <laughs> Even though she was six and a half year older, uh, you know, she uh, she became the woman of my dreams. And I graduated from college on Friday, uh, married her on Saturday, and uh, that was where life started. We we real quickly planned a family because she understood there was stuff wrong with Gary. Uh, Gary still had the allergy shots. Gary still had all the medications. Uh, it, it was pretty obvious to her that her and the children probably would outlive dad. And uh, it's just the way it was. And then it was Valentine's Day. Uh, just amazing. Uh, it was Valentine's Day when I was about 22 going into 23. And I woke up and rolled right over onto the floor and realized, I think I've had a stroke. Well, what I knew and had seen, because my father had had a few that, you know, they work with these stroke people and they get everything back. So even though it happened, I thought, don't worry about it. You're, you're, you're going to get it all back. But 30 days later in the hospital and two spinal taps later, uh, they realized with the left side of my body pretty much gone, the mobility, uh, you know, of that side was was out. My eyes were still seeing two of everything that I was looking at. And as my heart would beat, whatever I was looking at was jumping up and down. The balance mechanism on the left side of the head, uh, they said, was 80% gone. And they gave me a final diagnosis. They finally said, Gary, you have to realize you have multiple sclerosis. And from here, it'll only get worse. Mm. Again, not a good prognosis. You know, it's one thing to have the lung condition. It's another thing to be told you're going to go paralyzed. And do you remember that moment? And do you remember, you know, telling your wife and when you got the diagnosis? She was there in the room with me. Mm. And she looked at the doctors and looked back at me and said, well, now we know. <laughs> <laughs> because we'd, we'd gone through this 30 days of, you know, spinal taps, blood work, everything they could do. They did every test you can imagine. I left. I even got the Rochart test to figure out whether this was a mental condition. <laughs> uh, and what's the uh, just a you know, I, I'm doing the math here, and I guess we're in the the late '60s at this point. And what's the yeah. the medicine and the prognosis like at that time for wow. multiple sclerosis? Well, uh, there was there was no real medicine. The deal is because everybody's had a leg go to sleep and wake up. What they remember is the excruciating pain of waking up. And what was happening to me at that point in time is slowly different areas in my entire body just began to go to sleep. So even though even then uh, the, the pain in my body was at a level where aspirin didn't cover it, you know, but what I did is I didn't want to be on medication. I hated even being on the lung medication, and that was a requirement. But I, I did everything I could to just to learn how to handle the pain. And progressively over the course of 14 years, uh, it, other things happened with the body so that I finally went down to where the only thing that moved on my body was my right arm. Hard to believe, hard for me to remember today. And yet the reality is there that I would go to pick up my right arm and have food on a spoon because it wouldn't sit on and stay on a fork. And my arm would wiggle enough so that I'd have a hard time getting it to my mouth. Because really the only thing that was moving on my body after 14 years was my right arm. A wheelchair was something that I was in. You know, I got pushed around. In my perspective, originally, I figure 
what's left of my body to atrophy? I mean, what what else can go? Because when it goes, I'm out of here. And were you working at all? Like in, in your 20s, did you did you get a chance to practice any, any oh, career? Yes. Yeah. Well, well, again, I was a food service director right. for a group called Allied Stores out of New York, which owned a chain of retail stores that had restaurants in them that ranged from 250 to 350 seats. Depending on the size of the store, they had an employee cafeteria. They also had a major bakery counter that would have as many as eight to 10 bakery display cases in them, and they covered the five New England states. So literally, part of my problem was I was covering those and covering those in such a way that I was pretty much in each of them daily, or excuse me, weekly, and then my nights were spent writing all the paperwork to New York to describe everything that they demanded in paperwork to do what I was doing. So you can hear it. I was way overcommitted. I mean, way overcommitted. Well, can you put that for those of those of the people that are in New Zealand or not from America? So well, yeah. what would that look like travel-wise in a week going from New York, you know, all the way up the East Coast? Well, well, it would be <laughs> it would be from Boston area at the time. It it would be generally a fourteen-hour day. Uh, it many times a little bit more, but at least twelve hours, if not fourteen, because the paperwork had to be done at night, put in an envelope, and mailed off for each visit to each location. And I tried to be in at least the eight restaurants and six bakeries uh, once a week. Mm. So just just almost not possible. Yeah. You know, I, I look back at it now and realize how many times I'd have to pull off on the side of an expressway and sleep for a bit because I was just too tired to continue. But I had a wife and two boys. I had a commitment. Yeah, so the, the stress of that, you think, contributed to some of your issues? Oh, absolutely, because MS is a disease of overcommitment. Wow. It's like fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue. People commit to doing more for others than they're willing to do for themselves. And in the end, the body says, hey, feel this pain? Slow up. And if you don't, I'll slow you up. Mm. <laughs> Boy, did it slow me up. <laughs> yeah. Into a wheelchair. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. incredible. Yeah. And so yeah. where does the story progress from there? Is it, Are you able to stay positive? You know, as your body's slowly shutting oh, no. down, that's tough. No, I wasn't positive. I was at a point where even though I didn't want to face it, I, I just had to face the reality that whatever went next probably was the piece that finally made me go because – you know, just you have to realize how much inside goes when you become paralyzed mm. and you don't know which organ is still holding you so that you're alive and living other than your heart. So I just I got to where out was my direction. And yet, as I sat in the wheelchair, I'd look up at the ceiling and I'd say, God, if you love me, you'd heal me. I mean, it was it was just a statement to make because I believed in miracles. <laughs> Just like most people do. People say, I believe in miracles. But what they believe is in miracles for other people that never believe in them for themselves. And that's a big difference, a, a big recognition for me today. But as I say that to the ceiling, there was always a voice that answered back. It was like I knew exactly what I was thinking. But then that voice that continued, I sort of like didn't pay attention to it. And even though I really heard it in my own voice, at some point I finally realized as I would say, God, if you love me, you'd heal me. It always continued and said back, and if you loved yourself, you'd heal. That's big. Let me say that again. God, if you love me, you'd heal me. And if you loved yourself, you'd heal. So I decided, well, what have I got to lose? I mean, I'm out of here soon. Why don't I just try loving everything about me? 
<laughs> if I really don't feel most of me, can I love what I don't feel? Can I look at my hands, my feet, and everything and just love everything about me? And that's what I did. The amazing thing is, shortly after that, I started working with a chiropractor, an acupuncturist, uh, nutritionist, uh, sports medicine, massage therapist. I worked with everybody I could. And the most amazing thing happened. Six months into that work, I can still remember the chiropractor who mirrored one wall of his office so that whenever they laid me down there, I could see where he was working on my body. I have a place in the top left outside side of my left calf where today it feels like there's a light switch right there. I'm sorry, my eyes are teary. Mm. I can put my finger on it knowing that that's the spot where I got feeling for the first time in 14 years. Wow. And because I knew there was a feeling there, there was something that when touched, I knew I felt something. I absolutely, positively, totally, completely, from that point on, knew I was going to heal. Nothing could prevent it. Absolutely nothing. It was the little and glimmer all, that you needed. Yeah. It was, it was the piece that tipped my belief from a questioning to a reality of knowing that the creator flowing through me, this energy of life of who I am, had whatever it needed in that master blueprint to bring me all the way back. It took 16 months. And I do mean 16 months, but it was progressive. I mean, just such an amazing 16 months. At the end of that time, I honestly was pretty much the way you see me today, literally. Fully, yeah, fully healed, fully recovered. Yeah. And from the moment I, you, I'm interested in two things. When you said you decided to start loving every part of yourself, practically, what does that look like? And from that moment that you decided that to getting the feeling in your calf, how long was that? Six months. Mm. Yeah. Wow. I, t today it would be much faster. <laughs> what I know <laughs> do today is like miracle work yeah. in seconds because I understand life is energy. It, it's such a key. Even then, do, do realize, Nathan, that I still had, and because of an industrial accident in one of the restaurants, they poured what's called commercial strength bleach down a restaurant drain that had not been open for five years. So they had poured every possible drain cleaner down that drain. But now, all of a sudden, they're putting commercial strength bleach, and that commercial strength bleach literally created a caustic gas that caused me to start coughing. And then the next thing I know is I'm coughing. I realize I'm coughing blood mm. without knowing that the air is filled with a caustic gas that's attacking my lungs. So again, I was 30, 30 days in the hospital so that they got me stable enough to breathe. But the sad fact was my lungs were now down to one-third lung capacity. And there was no question. Breathing was not the easiest thing to do. It took a good while to even begin to come back. But the key is, six months after going through the coming, overcoming the MS, uh, I graciously, in a miracle service at church, and again, there's, there's quite a story involved because I did quite a search trying to find anybody to help me to get to where I absolutely knew my lungs are going to heal. I mean, literally, at 9 p.m. on Friday night, I told my wife that when I took communion on Sunday, my lungs are going to heal. Because if they didn't, the doctor I was working with was going to double the dosage of medication that I was on. And I already knew that that dosage I was on was enough so that if you took it as just a regular street walking person, that dosage could wipe you off this planet because it was way too much for your body to go through. And now we're talking about doubling it. <laughs> mm. So... I, I went to church, 
I got to where they were going to have communion. I just, I loved it because the senior pastor who was there literally told the congregation that he got a message from God on Friday night at 9 p.m. that when people take communion, their lungs are going to heal. I looked at my wife and said, see, I told you. (laughs) (laughs) And again, there's so much more to the background that puts that together where you watch the law of the mind, which is belief, begin to progressively go through what I had to go through. Because, I mean, I talked to the elders of that church. I mean, I talked to the leadership, and they literally told me, if God created me that way, I needed to be very careful because I was blaspheming the Holy Spirit to not believe that that was the way God wanted me. And I basically, I told them, your God's too small. I heal from MS. I'm going to heal from the lung condition, and you're going to watch it happen. (laughs) So I took communion. I went over to that senior pastor, and the pills that I had in my back pocket, because my wife and I were going for a ride up into the mountains that afternoon, I wanted him to know those pills were not going with me. And I can still see the look on his face as he turned my hand back over and said, Gary, don't you think sort of like as a precaution? And I turned his hand back over. I gave him the sternest look I could give him. And I said, whose faith are we to doubt? Mine or God's? He kept the pills. (laughs) I I have a note from him after that when he talked about all the other miracles that took place because he got to talk about the day he got my pills. But now here's the fun. I turn, I head back towards my seat. Within seconds, there's a feeling, it's almost like butterflies on the inside. I remember when you grow up with a lung condition the way I did, my bone structure made me skinny. Literally, I feel the bones inside my body begin to grow and move forward. And in the course of the next 15 minutes, I received a brand new, complete, full capacity set of lungs. I end up laying on the floor because I can't sit up and sit in my seat. I'm too dizzy. I've got so much oxygen coming in. I'm like in overload of what's going and being processed through my brain. I'm realizing I'm breathing. I can feel that feeling of realizing I'm breathing. You know, when I put my hands on my body, I realize it's changed. I realize there's full lungs because they're going way down there. You take a deep breath and you feel the air going in your, your mouth. You feel it going down your throat. You feel it going into tissue that just was never there. I mean, it's like, wow. <laughs> so you were born with two lungs at 50% capacity, and then you lived with that. And then how old are you now when you suddenly instantly get full well, lung capacity? 36 and a half. Wow. So 36 yeah. years of having half capacity, and it, what you said it went down to a third, right? Yeah, yeah, down to a third, yeah. And it had had done that within the last few years of that time period, which just made it so much harder to do anything because it's one thing to get around. It's another thing to exert yourself at all. And, of course, now I'm I'm six months out of the MS, but doing anything required, you know, mobility and energy and and breathing capacity and oxygen, and uh, Gary didn't have it. You know, so even though I was doing what I knew to do and, and life had completely changed because of healing from MS, life still wasn't what it had to become for me to be all the capacity that I am today. And I'm sure you've heard many people say, well, it's, it's just not possible, Gary. Like, you, you know, it's, yeah. this, is not a, this is not an act of God. This is not a miracle. There's got to be some scientific reason for this. So what do you say to people like that? Let, let them find any reason they want. Here I am. <laughs> I mean, I... I I literally, I mean, I had to figure out at that point in time how to get my body back because you got to remember, I've gone quite a while without mobility. I mean, I'm skinny. 
<laughs> do mean skinny. You know, my legs have no strength in them. My arms never had strength in them because I got allergy shots every three days. You know, I, I had needles from the time I was a child in order to be able to eat food. So uh, I, I started going to an ice rink and hired a coach to work with me just to try to, number one, get my legs back, but also get my balance back. Because if you remember, I said to you, I lost the balance mechanism by 80% on the left-hand side of my head. And I still remember looking at the doctor as he said, well, you do need to understand, Gary, you know, we're watching miracles here, but you're not going to get that back. You know, that's not something that you just recreate. And I looked at him and grinned. <laughs> In my mind, I thought, well, when would now be the best time for that lie to die? <laughs> oh, man. She worked with me. And at age 42... I became the U.S. National Amateur Senior Olympic Freestyle Gold Medal Figure Skating Champion. Mind-blowing. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I look back today and I think, oh, my soul, the drive within me to become alive and living again. And while doing all that, of course, everybody kept saying, what did you do? Just tell me what you did. I've got this wrong with me. Fix it. If you just tell me what you did, I can do it. You know, you live in a life of miracles. I want those miracles. I want it for me, and I want them now to just tell me. I couldn't, you know. So I started researching miracles. I started researching every form of therapeutic intervention that was out there that taught somebody what they needed to know. I looked at human behavior. You know, if I had to give up every form of training that I had, it would be that I'd have to give up my master certified trainer's training in NLP. I mean, back then, every course was 21 days or more. And if somebody had the same course, I didn't care. I felt that I was going to take that course more than once because I wanted to understand every tidbit and analyze it on the basis of an energetic perception of what it was that was taking place, what shifted energetically that caused the change. And because of it, that's where the work began uh, that today is where it's at. So at that point, before you started doing that research, all you knew was, I just learned to love myself. Oh, yeah. And believe in miracles. And that was that's yeah. where you started. But how, yes, did you, yes, how did you go about loving yourself? What did that look like? Isn't that interesting? Look is a good expression. I'm not sure I can describe it. <laughs> <laughs> I'd laugh and say it's an ishy, gishy, gooey feeling <laughs> that you sense inside your body that lets you know you don't hate, you love. Mm. Love is always warm. Love has something to it that most people miss completely. You know, they they do a yin and yang. They do a way of, I can like this, but I can't love that. Or, you know, I hate this and don't ever ask me to love it because I'm not going to. And all I understand today is it's such a miss in what our potential is. If I had to put it into another terminology, what I would say to you, Nathan, is the fact that you have a heart that beats. You feel that heart that beats. And because you feel it, you can't turn it on and off. It actually is unconditional. From my perspective, even at that time, someone or something loved me. And what it did is it gave me life, even though it was what it was. I had life because of the beat that came through that heart. As I grew and did all the training that I did, I began to truly understand that what's there was who I am. It beats, it creates an energy field around me. My body is a part of that field, but it loves me. It loves me unconditionally. And because of that, I realized the decision that I made was I want to represent what that energy is flowing through me, 
And to even myself, I became known as love living. And today, that's who I am. I have no problem telling you I'm love living. You know, if you listen to any podcast or interview that I've done, there isn't any question as to the fact that I know, believe, and understand what life is as that which love is. I mean, I stayed well, literally. I went to where I was healed and well uh, for close, well, now it's 37 years. I've only had one problem between then and now. And in fact, you'll laugh with me, (laughs) and I know you will. I had my annual wellness physical about a month ago. I received the paperwork in an envelope recently, and when I opened it up, there's seven pages of everything that they determined possible that they can do with blood work. And right on the very front, they wrote me a note that recommended I see a doctor. And when I saw I recommended for you to see a doctor, I thought, oh, yay, now what did they find? I got to fix something. Huh? What have I got to heal? <laughs> and as I read it, they let me know that my cholesterol on the high side is 0.2 or two tenths of a point high. And they'd recommend that I go get on a statin drug. I laughed for it out loud. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Talk about living your life as a warning or an example. One of the healthiest, one of the healthiest 70 year olds around, right? If I could just give everybody the understanding and the thrill of what it's like to be the real me, because I rely upon the fact that my existence is that beat of energy. And that beat of energy is who the creator is. So when I say I'm love living, and that's who I choose to be, I really am that representation of what the creator is to me. I really am that tickle that began in my lung. I really am that which gave me full lung capacity. I really am them which caused the feeling progressively come back in my body. I mean, here I am. (laughs) Yeah, living proof. (laughs) So what do you feel like if you hear somebody say to you, Gary, that's beautiful, but I just hate my body. I just hate the way my body looks. And, and that's the reality of it. That's that's what we have to come to face. Everything in life happens for a reason and a purpose, and it serves you. You were born with full potentiality inside of you. And it doesn't matter what it is. If you can't love it, please don't expect somebody else to. <laughs> I don't care what it is. When you get to where you realize that that pain, that whatever that you're going through is is that which is there, you have to learn to love you. I think of all the processes I teach because the two-day program called Restoration takes a person so that at the end of two days, there's not a major memory they can think of that's so bothersome. And again, that's part of the work that I created out of that. But even, even in talking to you, Nathan, I can show you personally, if you'd allow me to, even on this show, to begin to realize what it's like to feel that feeling. Would you like to do that? I'd love to do that. Okay, here's, here's what I need you to do. I want you to think about a way of you describing to me and use one singular statement, but I want you to describe where you believe you're at right now in life, that even though this is where you're at, how does it hold you back? You are where you're at and life is doing what it's doing, but what prevents you in your mind's eye as you describe yourself from your full potentiality? And trust me, in all the like 37 years I've done this work, I've heard everything. I still remember the girl that said, I'm just a piece of shit and have no damn reason why God still allows me to live. I'm like, wow, write that down. <laughs> I just it, it is where it is. But everybody has a potential. 
Everybody has this possibility of being something so much greater than what they are, but they don't tap into how to get there. Who are you on the inside? So think about it. And if you can give me that one statement, I'm going to write it down. Yeah, well, I think about my life and I love my life and I love myself, but I I notice uh, that I still, uh, when it comes to work and doing the work that I want to do to get ahead, I feel lazy. Like I procrastinate a lot. So I know I have to do some work, but I'll spend a few hours just messing around and um, distracting myself. So, uh, yeah, I feel either lazy or just I feel like I just procrastinate so much. Okay, what I'm writing down is I feel lazy and distract myself, causing me to procrastinate. Will yeah, that work? That's perfect. Okay. And I'm just writing, so give me just a second. All right, now here's what I want you to do. This is where it's so much fun to do this work, because when you understand life is energy, life is an inside job. Life is a mirror reflection of what's on the inside. You know, we can get resources that we can add into what's there. But truly, life is an inside job. So I want you to think about what we just said. I feel lazy and distract myself, causing me to procrastinate. I want you to allow yourself right now to absolutely recognize that as a piece of energy identifying of who you are. And I want you in your mind's eye to become exactly the opposite. Okay. I want you to think of you and in your mind's eye become exactly 100% the opposite of whatever that is. Feel everything about you as being that which is the opposite. And let me know when you've got that wonderful feeling. Become that feeling as a way of being, as mm-hmm. a way of living, as a way of existing. Yeah. So now, Nathan, as you feel that feeling as a way of being, a way of living, a way of existing, answer this question for me. By being this person right now in your own mind's eye, what does that give you inside? What does that give you that's of greater value or more important, there's a feeling of, a sense of something that comes to you. What is it that you now recognize it gives you? Uh, I feel proud. Proud, beautiful. Mm. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to take that feeling of proud. I want you to feel everything you can about it. I want you to think of the fact that around you, there's an identity field of who you are that's there for your body. I want everything about you that's there in that field in you to become exactly the energy of what proud is. Because as you allow you now to become proud as a way of being, a way of living, a way of existing for the rest of your life, ask yourself by feeling that now, what does that give you that's of even greater value or more important? Oh, the word hope just came to mind. Beautiful. Now feel that word. Let yourself be totally and completely filled up with what hope feels like. Let it be there. Let it be a way of being, a way of living, a way of existing. Because from the word hope, we're going to discover that inside of you, there's something else of greater value or more important that's going to come up. What comes? Mm-hmm. You started with proud. You yeah. then got hope. What's hope going to give you that's of greater value or more important? It's hard to put into words, but it's this feeling yeah. of uh, freedom or just you know, uh, opportunity and possibility that opens up. Beautiful. So feel freedom, opportunity. Feel it. Yeah, it makes me smile. Yeah, good, excellent. So as you allow yourself that which you now recognize as the freedom and the opportunity that opens up, let it be there as a way of being, a way of living, a way of existing. And notice, just like the others, it's going to give you something of value. 
that feeling or that sense of what comes. Um, peace. Peace. Beautiful. Mm. That's an excellent one. And as you feel that peace now, notice the calmness, the feeling that comes with that peace. And as that energy settles all the way through you completely as a way of being, a way of living, a way of existing, of course I'm going to ask you, what does peace give you? Because mm. it really does give you something of greater value and more important. Mm. Yeah, what does it give you? What do you find there in the inside, Nathan? A feeling um, of, a sense of? Love. Love, beautiful. That's a gift. What a gift. And as you feel that love now, feel it. Allow you to be totally encompassed, to be totally filled up with that feeling of love. You asked me what it felt like before. Now you have it. Feel it. Keep going. Keep feeling what that feeling is all about. And recognize that as you feel this feeling now, in essence, there could be something of greater value, a knowing, something that comes. What does this feeling of love now provide for you as a way of being, a way of living, a way of existing? What's the knowing that you now know to be true about you? What does it provide you with? Uh, uh, openness. Openness. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Let's reverse that word just a bit because you're saying openness. And is it not really a feeling of oneness? Mm. Think about it. Where in your body, more so than any other place in your body, do you now feel that feeling of love? Where uh, is that feeling? In my center of my body, chest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and what's behind there going beat, 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 beat? Mm. <laughs> that Beautiful. part that connects you. Yeah. It's that part that connects you with what love is all about. So fill yourself up. I want you to just absolutely right now become in your own mind's eye everything you can possibly get about that energy, recognizing that that energy that is there is who you are as a gift of who you are. And as you allow yourself that feeling of being this, which is that love, my question to you is, would it be possible for you to even consider what it would be like for you to decide that rather than being love-seeking for the rest of your life, you might choose to be love-living, just like me? Yeah, absolutely. So make that decision. Decide that for the rest of your life you want to be, you desire to be, because desire means of the Father, love-living. And as you allow yourself the fullness of that feeling, before you gave me the word peace, notice the word peace feels different than when you gave it to me before. Because it's transformed. The presence of who you are and how you recognize yourself now causes it to have transformed. It radiates into something more beautiful. Notice the change now that's there when I say freedom, opportunity, opening up. You felt it one way when you said it, but it feels different now, doesn't it? Yeah. So does hope. So does proud. So let me read you a sentence, Nathan. That sentence says, I feel lazy and distract myself, causing me to procrastinate. What happened to that sentence? Uh, it doesn't resonate. You bet. Mm. And yet 20 minutes ago or less, that was how you identified you. Mm. Everyone in your audience, everyone out there needs to look up at the ceiling and say, God, I love you. <laughs> everyone needs to recognize the fact that within them is an energy that causes them to have life. They're not in control of it. Something greater than who we are is in control of it. But I sure want to recognize me as being that which that energy is because 
That's why I'm healthy. That's why my blood work says my cholesterol is two tenths of a point off. I choose to be love living. Mm. I mean, it, it, it's such a people get to where they get so low in their structure that they start rejecting themselves. They start not loving themselves. They start getting to a point where life isn't even worth living. And yet all they have to do is begin to connect with the energy that's there that's causing the beat. And even that changes. You know, the reason why people can't stay love living is simply because they have memory structure. I mean, even you, you have an entire history of memories. And if I said to you, Nathan, are there any negative memories in there? <laughs> of course. I, 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 well, again, <laughs> the, the reason why restoration as a course does what it does is because it allows a person to end those two days recognizing there's not a major negative memory they can think of that still bothers them. The key to my work is not only have I been doing that for almost 37 years, but I created a program uh, back June 6th of 2014 called Soul Link. And what that process does is it uses that energy that we've talked about. It uses the longitudinal and transverse meridians that run through the body. It potentiates those in such a way that no matter what negative memory a person holds in mind, it literally doing the work on their own using Soul Link in 20 seconds, they can neutralize their worst memory ever. Wow. Somebody can learn to do that work and do it with other people. It's going to take them 30 to 40 seconds. But in 30 to 40 seconds, that PTSD level memory is going to be neutralized. Let me let me at least give you a let me give you a demo of a lower grade memory because I can't really teach that piece on what it is we're doing now. And of course, again, it's part of a major certification program where people learn to do not only that work as soling, but they also learn to do the entire two-day restoration program so that they can take people through that program as well. And that's all my time is spent doing right now, that and introducing people the way we are now. Mm. Take your thumb and rub your thumb right into one of your hands. Just rub it right in. And whoever's listening, do this with us. This not only is going to work for you, but you can begin to teach this to your children. Your children can begin to neutralize anything that bothers them during the course of a day with the simplicity of this piece of energy work I'm teaching you right now. So as you rub your thumb in, you can feel the friction of the thumb rub. Now switch and rub the other hand. That's right. So really now what you've done is you've rubbed right into the center core of both hands. Now if I had a child's ball that I could throw to, or like a, a softball, if you held that ball in your hands, your fingertips would wrap around it, the base of your wrist would come together, and there would be about an inch of space between your fingertips and an inch of space between your wrist. So allow your fingers to make a nice round shape to where that's all that's there, about an inch on the top, an inch on the bottom. And then what I want you to do is to look right into the space in the middle between your hands. And as you look into the middle between your hands, have some fun with me for a moment. Take <laughs> okay. your hands and just slowly pull them apart about eight inches and then bring them back together. Don't let the fingertips touch. Just bring them into that same space. Pull them apart again and bring them back together. Now, at some point here, you're going to begin to have a feeling between your hands. Just let me know when you feel that feeling. Pull them apart about eight inches. Pull them back in. But really pay attention to the feeling that's there between your hands. Can you feel that feeling? Yeah, I feel it. Because it's like you're pulling something apart mm. and you're pushing it back together. 
And in truth, I love it. You're having a feel-good party with yourself. <laughs> that energy of who you are is what you're feeling now flowing from one hand to the other hand. That's where therapies like healing touch, Reiki, so many therapies, it's the energy that flows through and out of those hands that really is the reality of the creative force doing that energetic healing work. Mm. So because you can feel it, and I know your audience can, this is simple. This is a, this is a basic process to teaching this work to others. I want you to think in terms of memories. If we scaled memories on a one to 10 and 10 was the worst memory you've ever had, allow yourself to recognize that those nine to 10 memories, you're going in one direction in life, those PTSD level memories happen and you change directions. I mean, there are things that you'll never ever do because of it. That's what Soul Link is meant to do. It's meant to do what we're about to do with this. I want you to come down to a three to four because this is not this the big memories, we're now down looking at memories that bother you. You realize you think about the memory, but you realize in that memory there are negative emotions and feelings that you know are still there about this memory. So we're down at a level where a child's memory storage would be. And yet for you, this memory does bother you. Make sure it does. And what I want you to do is to think about that memory. And just like we did before, I want you to stare right into the space of the ball you're going to create again. So that as you create that ball once more and stare right into that space, maintain your focus on the memory, but I want you to take your hands and take them at least that eight inches apart, even up to 10 or 12. Maintain your focus on the memory and bring them back in. Allow your hands to go back out again as you maintain your focus on that memory. Bring them back in again. Go ahead and allow your hands to go back out again as you maintain your focus on that memory and bring them back in again. Now, the difference this time is I want you to keep your hands facing each other. Maintain your focus on that memory. But just allow your hands now to go all the way out so that they're like going way extended all the way out with your hands still facing each other. And then simply drop your hands. Now, look around the room wherever you are. Notice things that are in the room. And now let's check. Think about that memory. And as you think about that memory, I want you to drop right down into the emotions and feelings that are there about that memory. And notice, is that memory now neutral? <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> this is how I understand life, my friend. Uh, this, <laughs> this is why I have not won. I have three Lifetime Achievement Awards. I'm in awe that this work keeps getting honored because there is nothing to compare. Therapeutically, you can look at every process that's out there. I trained in it. <laughs> they, run, they run 60 to 80% successful. And nothing bothered me more than realizing there's a client that they didn't get to finally help the way I desired to help them. Today, there is no question. We have passed more than 10,000 people teaching them the process of Soul Link, the worst memories ever, and they know how to do it. And we have not a hint of failure. Now, if there's someone out there who just did this piece and you realize, no, as I think about this memory, there's still a little bit of something there, do yourself a favor. Only pay attention to that little something that's there and do the exact same process all over again. Form your ball, stare into the space, allow your hands to come out up, apart and back together slowly three times. On the fourth time, make sure they continue to face each other and go all the way out. Then look around the room and check. It'll be neutral. Wow. 
<laughs> and what is this in your experience, 10,000 people, people that are walking around, like most people are walking around with negative memories or associations with certain events, by clearing those out, what does that give you access to? Oh, my gosh. I mean, I've got 150 people approximately that are fully trained now in not only doing that work of, of the basics, which comes out of Soul Link, but have done the restoration training, you know, to work with people and to realize that not one of them has come back and said, oh, by the way, I found the one it didn't work on. We've <laughs> got them. We've got a winner. We do have a winner. But here's what is so easy to understand, Chris. You went all the way to the level of your heart. You felt the feeling of that energy that's there. This work is not going to fail. It can't fail because it's actually being done with the flow of energy of the creator life source that flows through you. The only difference is you can learn to potentiate that energy and create that type of change. HeartMath Institute says that when that heart beats, it creates an energy field that is 5,000 times stronger than what the brain or mind produces. If they scaled them together, the mind would be at 100. This field of energy that we're talking about is positive and at 5,000. What we're really doing in Soling is making that potentiation field grow stronger and stronger. So in the end, as it goes stronger, it doesn't matter what you hold in mind as a negative. It can't possibly remain a negative. It's like having a box with a gift in it. When you take off the outside wrapper and open the box, whatever inside has to come out. It, it isn't a matter of staying there. It's like dropping a drop of ink in the ocean. It's going to get dissolved. And when you think about a memory, there is a form or shape of containment that holds that memory inside of you. There is some way you're identifying it. And what we know is most people identify those memories strictly by emotions and feelings, literally. And because of that, it's like when you're using your hands and they're going back and forth, it's like wavering the holding boundaries that hold all that memory structure together. When you take your hands all the way out, you've completely opened the package, the content fell out, and the only thing you choose to hold on to is the memory. And the negative charge has been dissolved by the positive that's there in the field, and this work cannot fail. That's why I have it patent pending, and that's why right now I'm just starting to take it global. It's, it's, it's just, it's at the point where it's time. Where I package it, I put it all together, I've made it so simple to teach, I, I teach it at the level of a 12-year-old so that the adult gets it, can complete the work. And that's why in so many cases they do it and then they think, wow, I have to learn how to do this. I, I have too many people not to learn how to do this. And they end up doing the certification training. And is it, do you see this as a replacement for therapy? Would, is it, would you go that far? Well, it all depends on where the person's at and what they've gone through. Uh, in many cases, you know, the people that I talk to, you know, a woman came to me and she'd had four decades of therapy and it was simply because her grandmother fell on top of her and died on top of her when she was three years of age. Uh, they didn't get her out from under grandma for days. Mm. So at 76 years of age, she realizes she's had 73 years of not being able to, in her own way, have a friend or even have a relationship because to her, to know anybody, they're going to die. Mm. I mean, what a terrible thing to live with. But after four decades of therapeutic work, she still was that way. After 40 seconds of me doing the process to her, 24 hours later, she's back and saying this. She'd woken up that night and realized I could possibly have a friendship. I mean, 
I could even possibly have a relationship. Wow. 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 Incredible. Yeah. And so you, the, the, the same work for her is just taking away that, that pain and uh, trauma yeah. of that experience using that exactly. process. Mm. She still knows what happened with grandma, but what it created through that negative charge has held her life at bay for 73 years. And then you can go to the other level. I mean, we've got so many veterans. I, I think of the man who came with his wife and she wanted to make sure I knew that he wakes up every night between one and one thirty, because he blew a face off in Vietnam with his gun, and that face was at, at close up. So that visualization that he has is what wakes him up. And, and he'll scream out loud because he doesn't want his gun to go off. He doesn't want it to happen. But because it's something installed as a memory, the memory goes all the way, and it happens. Mm. 40 seconds later, I said to the man, sir, as you think about that memory now, drop down into the emotions and feelings and tell me. Are those emotions and feelings now neutral? He said, sir... I cannot tell you. When we asked why, he said, I can't find the face. Mm. I mean, that's like, wow. <laughs> so with certain people, if the memory is detrimental to the ongoing health of who they are, the memory is going to change in such a way that they may still remember somewhat what it was like, but it's going to be different. I just had two guys here in my home that came over the first from the UK. Uh, one of them this morning on Skype said to me, I just got my first major, mega, mega uh, soul link done on somebody. He said, and when we finished, and I said to her, as you think about the memory, drop down into the emotions, periods, and tell me, are they neutral? He said, she looked at me with her eyes as big as they could be and said, will it come back? <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Said, well, what come back? He said, well, the memory, she's, no, it's gone. I mean, I wasn't expecting it, but it's gone. Oh, wow. This is really life-changing work. Well, it's because this, I don't have anything to compare with. You know, I patent pended it so that it won't become 50,000 other things. Mm. You know, the, there's a, the close to 300 pages in the certification manuals for people. But what they can count on is it's going to do what it does. It's proved to do it already. People like, let me give you another example. Let me give you another piece that's taught in the course because I'm not an MD, so I have to be very careful that I'm talking about a piece of contained energy that's there in the body that causes something to take place. I'll, I'll deal with people that have had pain in their body. And, you know, people like Bruce Lipton will tell us. And by the way, Bruce Lipton's been a friend for 22 years. Uh, I finally gave him permission a few weeks ago when I met with him and Michael Beckwith and some others up in L.A. to allow the work to go up on his website. The, um, he explains to us that every cell in the body is replaced every five years. So when there's something that's there in your body that's been there longer than five years, it requires a piece of memory as a retainment piece to hold on to whatever it is that's there. So literally, when I talk to somebody that's been in pain longer than five years, I honestly have to tell you, in probably in less than two minutes, the pain is generally gone completely, unless there's a physicality in the body where the physical need of the body still has a reason for the pain to be there. It's like a wow of wow when that takes place. Uh, that piece is called awareness and consciousness. And the simplicity is, it's simply like, well, your audience, let your audience do this with you. Nathan, find a minor feeling right now outside your body, just a minor feeling. Like a physical feeling, you mean? Yeah, sure. Make it outside on your body. Okay. Good. Now, in order for you to be aware of that feeling, since the only gift creator gave you complete responsibility for is thought, 
and thinking is the occupation of life. In order for you to be aware of that feeling, there must be a part of who you are as awareness and consciousness that makes you aware of that feeling. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. So there's a there's a part of my body, and in order to feel that, I need to have some consciousness that can sense that feeling. Absolutely. They're not one and the same. It's caused by your availability to know it's there. It's caused by that part of awareness. So let me put it simple. I'll, I'll do this real quick without getting into detail. Is it possible now within the framework of pure potentiality? Could that part of awareness receive or have the ability to simply relax, unwind, or unfold and become a part of awareness and consciousness once more? Say that one more time, Gary. Okay. The part of awareness is making you aware of that feeling. Mm -hmm. Is it possible that it could relax, unwind, or unfold and become a part of awareness and consciousness once more? Yeah. Give it permission. I'm grinning because I know the end result. (laughs) Go ahead and check the feeling and notice it's gone. Wow. That's cool. Epigenetics epigenetics has in the lab proved that we can change the DNA in a cell simply by changing the environment of the cell. I love Bruce Lipton's work when we met 22 years ago because he was proving that there is no such thing as the primacy of DNA, that literally a cell responds to its environment. And now after 22 years, Bruce and many others realize that the work I'm doing causes the environment to the cells where the memory is stored to be completely changed so that the negative that has been there and holding a cell at bay so that it literally can be a diseased cell now has the ability to heal simply because we take it to the point where it does that uh, piece of whatever's there, relax, unwind, or unfold. And because it does, and we've changed that structure, the body now has the ability to heal. Wow, so you, you see that any physical pain that someone has is associated with the something in the consciousness about it oh always well pain is symptomologic it's a symptom that there's something wrong you need to pay attention to Mm. even soul link on its own with something that's current in pain may drop it down let's say we scaled it one to ten it was a ten may drop it down to a three or a four which gives the body a greater capacity to heal but energy goes where you pay attention and our job is to get to where we work with the body and allow the body what it needs to heal but like when you're looking at something that's longer than five years, and that's where that piece is aimed, uh, it's still there because it's holding something is causing it to be locked in, which is in fact a piece of retained memory. That's why the company is called Memory Energy Therapy. So Memory Energy Therapy is everything that we're about because everything that we deal with is involved in that piece of energy. But now I look at a, a different scenario like somebody with fibromyalgia. You know, when I say to that person with fibromyalgia, do yourself a favor, and as you realize where you are in pain now, just grade it on a 1 to 10 and make it a 10. And they generally say, can I make it a 40 or a 50? Because they know they're in pain. And what happens is when I do the piece with them, and we've, we've worked with two or 300, that pain will drop all the way down to like a 3 or a 4. And here's the learning lesson that life is all about. I finally say to them, okay, it's dropped, it's reduced. But here's what your body is actually saying to you. Everything inside of you, the who you are in there is saying, you've overcommitted to other people. You do more for others than you're willing to do for yourself. And what I need you to do is I need you to begin to take better care of yourself. 
I want you to make a commitment to tell those people it's time they begin to take care of themselves because you can't be all things to all people. And at the same time, your body would love to hear you say out loud, I absolutely commit to taking better care of myself. And sometimes they'll talk about how nice that would be and, oh, yeah, that would be a great potentiality. And I tell them that's not what your body wants to hear. And when they actually out loud say, I commit to taking better care of myself, I promise to do that. The pain drops to zero. Then we talk about the scar tissue and what we need to do from nutritional supplements and whatever else is out there that's available to have that gone in no time as well. Everything is energy, everything about us. The key is we've never learned how to neutralize the memory structure that holds us back. We've never even learned how to create a future that allows us to become the person we've always wanted to be. I mean, think about that. You, you've created a future. Everyone out there has a potential for their future. The problem is 80% of the thoughts they're having today, they had yesterday, and they expect tomorrow to be different. It isn't going to happen. I mean, for most people, they take something like, well, anxiety. Do you ever feel anxiety? I feel a lot of anxiety, personally. Think about it. Do you ever feel it? <laughs> okay. You want to know the, again, this stuff is so simple to me to understand because of how I look at life and live it. Think in terms of seeing a flat line. And on that flat line, we draw a line that says now because it's going gonna, it's gonna to represent life. Before that line is called the past. In front of that line is the future. But you're right there where you drop that first line, and that's called now. In essence, when you think about anxiety, you're in now looking forward and somewhere out there in front of you is a great big A for anxiety. In truth, in now, you went backwards, picked up something that you believe to be true, you envisioned it in front of you forward, and it's now there as something for which you're anxious. Does that make sense? Yeah, perfect sense. And this is what life is all about. Here's the answer. I want you right now to actually do that, think about something for which you could be anxious. Let me know when you've got it. Yeah, can I share it just for the audience sake? Sure, go ahead. Yeah, for me, it's that, like I, I've just, I told you, I've just been at this conference for four days. And so the thought of walking into a room full of 300 strangers, it gives me like a tremendous social anxiety. Oh, introduce me. <laughs> <laughs> I've done 3,000. <laughs> oh, so here's what I want you to do. I want you in your mind's eye right now Remembering Einstein said, imagination is more powerful than willpower. We have to imagine a future. We have to create that which we desire. That's manifesting. So in your own mind's eye, I want you to allow yourself right now to go 15 minutes beyond the successful completion of whatever it is that you're thinking about. Go 15 minutes beyond the successful completion of whatever it is that you're thinking about. As you turn around, knowing that you can now have the emotions and feelings of what it's like having been 15 minutes beyond the successful completion, turn around and look back. And what happened to that anxiety? Yeah, it's impossible for it to be there, isn't it? Well, it's gone. Mm. But see, people don't understand. This is life. This is manifesting. When you really grasp the value of that little piece of information, it's telling you how to work and create the future you desire. That's why no one leaves a session with me. No one leaves that, that training without understanding what direction they're headed at in their life, what would have prevented them from being there, has been neutralized, and now they've learned what they need to do that's going to cause them to move forward and be the person they've always desired to be. It's mm. thrilling 
to, to watch these changes take place. And as I said, no one's running back and saying, I think you need to know it didn't work. <laughs> it can't not work because what I'm doing is done using that creator energy flowing through you. And it seems to me like the, the, the all the things that you've listed off, these are all the challenges that the average person faces every day. There are memories that they have that trouble them, anxiety that they have about the future, or just an inability to feel a deep love for themselves. These are pretty common threads for the people, well, certainly the people I talk to. Yeah, you're 100% correct. 100% correct. And that, and that's why even when they stand in front of me and think about their worst memory ever, they look at you afterwards. And and the biggest question is, will it come back? Yeah, it yeah. goes so quickly. If, if, if I really know what this memory was and and I, I do know what it was, is it, is it ever going to get worse again? Mm. The answer is no. You would actually have to recreate it and add the negative to it. Uh, you know, that negative that came in the first place came because of other things that happened earlier in your life. That's why I take each year of your life and literally take a person to where there's no memory they can think of that bothers them by doing that restoration program. Mm. That's why they end with the quality of what that work is and in so many cases, just look at you and say, I've got to train in this. I cannot not learn how to do everything that you're doing because they already know they've had decades of work. They've had decades of living a life that's caused them so much strain, struggle, pressure. You know, I, 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 as I said to you earlier, there are people that had literally energetically gone so low that they're rejecting themselves. They don't love themselves. Uh, they have a hard time finding any reason to, to even – I hate to use the word exist, but people go that low. Mm. I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's a case of they're waiting for somebody else to come along and do something. They're waiting for a perfect pill, a perfect drink, uh, a perfect anything that's either going to blot out that, that structure to where I don't even think about it. If I just go back and get another jug of gin or, or, or you know, do whatever, you know, I can, I can snort something and life doesn't bother me. But the problem is it comes back. Mm. The most interesting thing in studying drug rehab and, and, and looking at how to integrate that into this work was the reality of what a drug does. A drug actually numbs the neuroreceptors so that the feeling potential of the body disappears. Now think about this, Nathan. If the feeling potential of the body disappears, what are they feeling? Nothing. No, they're feeling the beat of their heart. All they're right. feeling the energetic, they're feeling the energetic presence of the only thing that causes them to still be alive and living. And it is absolutely the most positive field at 5,000% protection that you can have. And therefore, it feels magnificent. Is that uh, beautiful? One of my favorite quotes is uh, that Rumi quote. He said, uh, our task is not to seek for love, but to remove all the barriers we put in place against it. And I add to that, to become the love. Yeah. I mean, literally. A drug addict doesn't realize that what he's seeking to find, he becomes because he's taking the drug. And then what does he do? He takes more drug. Why? Because he wants that feeling. And yet the only thing that's remaining at that time is the very presence of the heartbeat and the creator energy flowing through them. Mm. If they can just understand. You got that feeling of what it's like to have that oneness, that connection, and you're not on any drug. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. You've got a high, you've got a bliss, you've got a connection in you that gives you, in essence, that which it is. 
So say so life is energy. I mean, for me, everything about life, I now look at, perceive it from being an energy. When somebody talks to me, my brain immediately goes to the existence of looking at it as being a vibrational frequency that's holding something in place and doing something because it's a piece of energy. Now, what needs to be done to help that person? So one of the one of the training pieces is I teach you from the beginning, everything we're going to do is based on end in mind, end in mind, and always keeping the end in mind. And if you keep the end in mind, even in thinking of your own life, then what you do is you learn to go beyond the successful completion and hold on to the emotions and feelings that you receive for being beyond the successful completion. And then inside of you, the heart and soul, the energy field of who you are recognizes it this is who you are. And the law of attraction pulls you in the direction to become that which you are. And trust me, boy, does life change. Wow. Yeah. I want to, can I share you a personal story, Gary? Cause it's just brought, oh, yes. it's brought this up for me. Um, and I'd love to hear your, your thoughts on this. When, when about, uh, Seven years ago, I was working full time and then my brother and I started a business at the same time. So I would get up at 6 a.m. and work till you know four in the afternoon, come home, have a shower and then work till on the business till 9.30 at the, at the shop. And we did this for a couple of years and I ended up getting uh, mononucleosis. You know yeah. what that is? The... Oh, absolutely. I had it. Yeah. And they just, yeah, you've had everything. Yeah. So that, that wiped me out completely and, and put me in, yeah. in bed for a month. You know, I had to have a month off work. And from that time, I never really fully recovered from that. Like I've always had a level of fatigue that, you know, never, I never fully got back to full health is how I feel. There's a fatigue that remains in my head and, you know, my front of my head and behind my eyes. And I wonder what you would think of that. Well, what I would say to you is we need to talk again. <laughs> yeah. Because... I will specifically help you deal with that. No question. Excellent. No question. Again, there is a piece of structure that was there at the time. And how many years ago was that? That's seven years. So realize it's beyond five? Yeah, right. Yeah. So that means yeah. it's it's beyond. Yeah. It's, yeah. yeah. It's there, yeah. And mm. again, and there's so much more of this. The, the reality is, is there, and the ability is, Anybody can learn this. Anybody can literally get to where they connect with the potential of what this work is doing. It's anything from a two-hour life-changing session uh, to literally end up doing the two-day restoration, then looking at certifying to do the specific pieces of work. And even certification training is five days of training. As I say, there's over 330 pages. I have, I have taken so many other pieces of energetic modality teaching so that when that person presents something to you, you think end in mind, and you say, wow, okay, I'll use this one with them. And if this one doesn't give you the exact perfect result, you go to another one because they're going to cover in totality a person's life by the time you're done. Mm -hmm. These pieces work. They've never not worked. To realize I've done this for 37 years, it isn't new. I've done it for 37. Let me just say this because your audience is already looking at this and going, wow, is this real? Is this possible? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. A year ago, last July, uh, I called my son and I said to him in a mumbled and muddled voice because it felt like I had marbles in my mouth. I think I'm having a stroke. Come get me to the hospital. He came over and by the time he got here, the right side of my face was numb. The left side of my body was numb. And let me tell you, the feeling of paralysis is the most horrific, horrifying. If I had my worst nightmare, that would be it. 
Wow. Because I've been there. I've done that. I knew exactly what it was. But by God, I'm not going to stay that way. So by the time they got me to the hospital, I was already coming out of it really, really, really well. There was no question to the doctors at the emergency room uh, that I had had a stroke. But now here's what your audience needs to know. In the course of the next three days, I had 14 TIA strokes with paralysis on either the left or right face all the way down the alternate side of the body to where there was no question in their minds as they would continuously test and all of University of San Diego neurology department from the hospital on camera watched from the university. They watched me all that time period realizing, watch, something's going to happen here. When I was having the seventh one, the head of the neurology department was holding my right hand. It was a right face paralysis, so I could still feel the right hand, and the left hand of my body is going. And that lead doctor who heads the neurology department out of the university started screaming out directions, and she looked at him and held up her hand and said, no, wait just a bit. In fact, I'll ask Gary, Gary, do you want him to wait at least 30 minutes before we make any changes to your medication or doing anything? And I nodded my head. She said, just understand, he's asking you to wait 30 minutes. And then she finally looked up at him and said, see, this is what's happening. I can't explain it, but he's getting his speech back. He's going to talk to you in a minute. And the man asked again, what just took place? And I said, I think I just had a stroke. And I can't really tell you any more now because I wouldn't tell them what I was doing. This is mind-blowing. You're having strokes and just recovering as you go. Yeah. Oh, well, I've got the medical records here in the back of the certification manual. (laughs) Wow. So just uh, we'll wrap up in a few minutes, but, uh, you know, my my mind is exploding. But just in terms of how your life is today, your your health and your life, you said your medical records are clean, you know, apart from that that little uh, cholesterol hiccup. But how does your daily life look today? Daily life is phenomenal. If I really had a fear or I really had you know something that would help me back in any way, it's the thought uh, that I may not, in essence, get this out there to the degree that would change 8,245,000,000 people. Mm. That's my desire. you know, And I'm going to do everything that I know to do in order to do that and get it out there. But, you know, would I have any dark moment? Uh, it's, that, it's that time of questioning. Am I, am I doing everything that I possibly can while at the same time preserving my values? Because my values are health first, freedom second, and serving others third. And they're, and they're in that order. We chuckled yesterday. I said to you, look, the, the last question I always ask is about the dark side, and, and, and you just laughed at me. <laughs> so I'm going to ask it anyway. Because, but do you have a dark side, and what do you think that is? Gosh. (laughs) Well, the dark side might possibly be that if I recognize, whoops, I'm not loving as much as I could or or not being to myself as much as I could, then that might be my dark side, but that's pretty light compared to what most people go through. (laughs) When when you've experienced what it's like to feel that type of love for yourself, everything else that comes along, you recognize automatically – why it's there as a negative feeling or emotion is because you're not loving it. The moment you start that switch in your brain to even begin to love it, you realize, whoops, feel it dissolve because it just dissolves. You don't have to hold on to the negative. It's true. There are not a lot of people on the face of the earth like this, but I'm still alive and living after 37 years. You know, 
at 37 years beyond the wheelchair. Well, you know, I speak to thousands of people in deep conversations for a living, and uh, I know that you're the real deal. So oh, you yeah. get no <laughs> argument from me. Um, Gary, if anybody can uh, or wants to reach out to you, can they work with you? You know, so our people that are in New Zealand, are they able to work with you online or do they have to come and see you in person? Well, it, in essence, there's a two-hour life-changing session that's available. And I have someone even in Australia who is fully certified to do the work that I'm doing. So if it was the case of them wanting to do that whole two-day program, uh, that can be arranged. In fact, the person in Australia is actually looking to come home to New Zealand because she's actually a New Zealand native. Great. Now, people are looking to certify in the work. and There's just so much that's available. But the, the key is make the contact begin to look at what potentially is available because uh, it, it's all timing and everything right now. Great. And how do they reach out to you? The best thing is to make contact through the website at memoryenergytherapy.com. I know I have a Facebook page. They're certainly welcome to friend me on Facebook. They'll see a picture of Bruce Lipton and I standing together because, again, we were just together again and I took the picture. But they're welcome to friend there. They're welcome to send me a note there. Uh, but the key is just start with what's on the website. Register there. Put in a request. You're going to get even the piece that I just taught you uh, that does where you rubbed into the hand. That's one of the pieces that as you click through what's there, you're going to get that. But you're going to get that opportunity to look at uh, consideration of doing any of this. Uh, it isn't a matter of whether it will or won't do what it does. It's done it. Just understand, I'm not offering you a medical model. I'm not guaranteeing you a cure for whatever's wrong. I'm just telling you that in your life, you have memories, that if you'll begin to work and heal those memories, your body will respond appropriately. It's all about the memory energy of who you are and who you will be that matters in what this work is all about. I'm not an MD. I can't practice a medical model. All I can talk about and all those that I train can talk about is what it's like to work with you there on the inside and teach you so that whatever comes up, you have the ability to neutralize. Not only neutralize, but when you've trained in solely, you have the ability to take a positive and install that positive in. When, when I think about someone and they say to me, well, here's what I desire in my life, but I don't necessarily know I'm going to get there. And I say, well, what would cause or prevent you from getting there? What are you missing? They tell me what it is they think they're missing. And I simply say, has there ever been a time in your life when that was available? You know, and you did something with it? And they generally name a time in the past when something took place. Well, literally using SoulLink, I install all of that together so that rather than being separate pieces of memory, they actually get to where they have the emotions and feelings of having done what it is they desire to do for the rest of their life. And generally when I finish doing that, which takes about two minutes, they look at you and laugh and they say, oh, I can't believe I said I couldn't do it because obviously <laughs> I now know I can because I've done it. And it's, it's, a, it's such a change. But we've never learned to live our life from an energetic perspective and create these changes on our own. What I know is that's possible. And that's why I live and breathe and have my being. That's my reason for being, for existing, and ongoing the rest of my life. I was married for 52 years to St. Anne. She passed away in March. It was something that was coming for seven years. But now because she's passed away, I'm even more dedicated to putting out this work. 
Gary, thank you so much for uh, coming and speaking to me. It's been a mind-blowing experience. I'm in awe of you and I, I'm grateful for the work that you do in the world. And I'm, uh, I'm excited to be just a small part of spreading this message and spreading your work and hoping that it can impact some people, even just this short little uh, conversation that we've had. So thank you for the work you're doing. Nathan, you know I've looked at your work. I wouldn't have talked to you if I hadn't looked at your work. <laughs> and I am so honored that what I do is now able to be a part of what you do. Because it's not about me. I should have been dead at least 21 times. (laughs) I started writing a list one day and realized I could come up with 21 times that I could have been gone. It isn't about me. It's about what we do to serve others. And I so honor your relationship with other people and the love you have, because you do have that love. But you use it in a way that you're pulling people up from where they are to where they need to be. When David Hawkins described the levels of enlightenment, Zero was being born, a thousand was being transitioning out, 500 in the middle was love. You're allowing people the opportunity to look at what love really is and potentially to become what it is as who they are in representing themselves to themselves and then to other people. That changes lives and you change them. Well, it's a very, yeah, thank you. That's very, very beautiful words. Thank you for saying that. Thank you, Gary. I appreciate that. We'll have you on the show again and uh, have a great day. Bless you heart to heart and love your life. And all of you out there, the same. There you have it, folks. My conversation with the wonderful Gary Sinclair. What an amazing, inspiring story and what a beautiful man Gary is. Uh, I hope you reach out to him. You can look him up on his website, memoryenergytherapy.com or just look him up on Gary Sinclair on Facebook and feel free to add him there. Thanks, guys. As always, feel free to share this episode on Facebook and all the social media. And I'll be back next week for episode 41 of The Nathan Seward Show. That was The Nathan Seward Show. Personal conversations with powerful men.